Imagine, if you will, the following scenario. You're sitting with a friend talking and saying, you know, I really don't have many friends. I've got to get out and make some more friends, you know, meet new people, start getting involved. I don't do anything with my life. I really have to find you know, some source of friendship and activities and things. Do you know anything, any place I can go? And your friend says to you, sure. Come to this wonderful social club that I belong to. We go on trips and things, and there's lots of people there, and it'll be just what you're looking for. So you say, oh, okay, great. So you decide to do it, and you go with them, and your friend takes you to a meeting. And as you go in the meeting, your friend immediately just leaves you there, doesn't introduce you to anyone, just goes off and finds their own little group. And you notice everybody is gathered in little cliques here and there. And each one, it seems to be perfectly melded into itself, and no one can get in otherwise. And you go over to the groups, and you try to make your way in, try to introduce yourself. Nobody will even acknowledge your presence. So finally you say, well, okay, I guess I'm just going to have to take the initiative on my own. And you go up to somebody and say, hello, I'm so-and-so, I'm new here. And the person says to you, nice, now find someone who cares. And they walk away from you. And then the meeting begins, and the person sitting next to you starts groaning, oh, I hope this is not going to be too long tonight, I want to get out of here, i got so much to do. And then the person who's speaking makes a suggestion about something, and someone in the group stands up and shouts him down. How can you propose something like that? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my, in my life. You ought to be ashamed of yourself for saying that. And then somebody else stands up and shouts that guy down and says, would you keep quiet? You're always breaking up everything. You're always causing trouble. Let him speak. Give him a possibility to say something good. And the other one shouts back, no, you sit down because what he's saying is ridiculous. Would you be inclined to join that group? I think you'd leave skid marks trying to get away from that. Well, just like a group where everybody is at each other's throats is not going to accomplish anything, neither can a church where its members are all fighting and bickering with each other possibly bring anyone to Christ. Our job, as we're going to hear more firmly next Sunday at Pentecost, is to go out and be the presence of Christ in the world. And he prays today to his father. This is part of his Jesus' farewell discourse. I like to think of it as his last will and testament. The last time he's sitting down with his apostles before his crucifixion. This is during the Last Supper. So he's telling them everything he wants them to know, them, you know, summarizing his whole ministry for them to go out and do it after he's risen from the dead, and then also praying for them. And we hear a part of that beautiful prayer today, that Jesus prays to the Father that they will be united in him, that those who believe in their word will be united with him, they in one with me as I am one with you. And he prayed for our unity, because only a united group is going to be able to bring anybody else to Christ. And it's a sad fact of history that our Christian church over 2,000 years has splintered into many different Christian denominations. The first big split came in the year 1054 when the entire eastern half of the church went off as the Orthodox Church and we remained as the Catholic Church. And then the Orthodox themselves uh, eventually split between Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, Armenian Orthodox, and a few others. And then in the 16th century, starting with Martin Luther and then Calvin and Zwingli, Henry VIII, and so many others, the faith started to split among the Protestant Reformation. And people broke off and started their own churches with their own uh, opinions on things. And anytime somebody in, in the group didn't like the opinion of the leader there, well, they would break off and make their own religion. 
And especially when that came to the United States, it became rampant. And one group broke off for another and from another and from another to the point that they say today it is literally impossible to count all the denominations of Christianity. Yeah, there were the mainline churches we could name, the Catholic, the Orthodox, and the mainline Protestant denominations. But today especially, it seems that lots of people who they find God, and instead of going to one particular church you know, to worship God in that church, they rent a storefront and make themselves a minister. And they, we find these storefront churches with all sorts of interesting names. And so it's impossible to count them all because you never know that it's not registered anywhere. So therefore... We have been completely divided, and that division weakens us. We all know the old saying, divide and conquer. And we as Christians are not as strong in the world as we could be because we've been divided into so many different denominations. And we've made great efforts in recent years to try to heal all of that, what we call the ecumenical movement, ecumenism, to try to bring all the different denominations of Christianity back into one. There has been progress made. And it will come one by one with one denomination after another. It's probably not going to be one mass thing where everybody turns around and is reunited. But we've made great progress, and that's good. We at least can talk with our Protestant brothers and sisters and with the Orthodox and have conversations with them. That leads us to a a greater unity and an understanding of the fact that in many situations we have more that unites us than what divides us. And if we can at least work together with the common ground of what we all believe in, we'll be able to bring Christ to the world. And St. Pope John Paul II had said that ecumenism is not an option for Catholics. It is our duty that Jesus' prayer at the Last Supper, Father, I pray that they will be one in me as I am one in you, will be realized. And so we are working toward that. But you and I can't really do very much on the world frame or the world scale of Uh, bringing denominations back, but even in our own Catholic faith, in our archdiocese, in our parish, in our families, doing everything we can to try to make sure that we work and cooperate with each other. We are going to have differences of opinions. That's inevitable. The apostles had differences of opinion. What we notice, though, thankfully, in the apostles is that they dealt with it peacefully, especially after Pentecost. Beforehand, you can see they were arguing with each other a lot. But after Pentecost... They settled their problems. We heard about one of them last week. They sat and listened to each other and spoke. And even in parishes, we're going to have differences. And the biggest problem is when people go about those differences with anger. Our world today, one of the things I lament the most is that we have lost the ability to have a constructive, responsible conversation. Right away, how often do we hear, if somebody disagrees with somebody else, the immediate response is, you're hate-filled, you hate me. And we hear so much hate, hate, hate coming from people, calling everybody else haters, and it seems that the person who's saying that is the most hateful person of all. Sometimes people say, if you disagree with me, you hate me. No, I don't. I love you. I just disagree with you. The ability to respectfully disagree with someone has been completely lost in our society. And the ability to sit down and talk things through. When people resort to just name-calling and angry messages and texts and all sorts of things like that, that never leads to constructive discourse. All it does is try to find the one who can silence the other one and maybe say so many angry things that the other one is so hurt that they won't respond back because they don't want to take anymore. And that's not 
any way to bring Christ to the nations when we do that among ourselves. People on the outside seeing Christians do that, they would hardly want to join us. So yes, we will have differences, but we need to talk them through with respect for one another. When we sit down and talk quietly and calmly and say, okay, I maybe disagree with you on this or that, let's talk it through. Let's see what we understand. Some things could simply be a matter of taste. And sometimes I find people arguing and debating over things that are not right or wrong, it's just opinion or preference. One good example, the music in our liturgy. You know, here on Saturday evenings, we have Spirit Fire Ministry, who provides a rather contemporary style of music for us, and many people like that. And then at the Sunday morning masses, we have more of our traditional organ and piano and traditional Catholic hymnody, and many people prefer that. Neither one is right or wrong. They're both acceptable. It's just simply a matter of taste. So I tell people, if you like the contemporary music, come to Saturday night. And if you prefer the more traditional Catholic hymnody, then come during the day on Sunday. So that's an easy solution. And arguing over right or wrong on that, well, that's not acceptable. That doesn't help because we're almost seeing if I disagree with something, if I don't like something, it's automatically bad. No, it isn't. It's just different. Sometimes we can have differences over we have the common goal in mind. We all want this to happen, but we have a difference of opinion of how to get to that goal. One person proposes to do it this way and another proposes another. And sometimes, sadly enough, in the middle of that, people will be pointing fingers and yelling at each other. And all that does is send banter of anger back and forth. And when people do that, it never settles anything. But if we can sit down and listen to the other person and say, okay, tell me, why do you feel this is the best way to get to whatever the result is that we want? Well, listen to them and talk them through. And maybe they, in talking about it, might say, Oh, you know what? I see a weakness in my argument. Okay, maybe you're right. And if they listen to you, maybe we sway them over. Or we might look and say, you know what? Maybe I didn't really think my uh, argument through, and I see a weakness there. Okay, you know, maybe you have a point. Or even just to say, all right, well, listen, if we just sit here arguing back and forth, then we're just going to argue forever and nothing's going to get done. So let's just try one of these models and see if it works. And if they give it some time, and if that doesn't work, then we'll try the other one. And that at least is cooperation. Of course, there is no room in our church and in our lives for dissent. Anybody who was formally and officially dissenting from church teaching, well, no, we can never embrace that and say, okay, your official dissent will be welcomed here. But even dissenters, we must work with charity towards them. That can be the hardest thing because people often who are dissenting are being very angry at us. And that's the hardest thing for us to do is to be kind and calm and compassionate when people are shooting both barrels of a gun at us and being very angry and throwing hate talk at us. But that also is one of the challenges of the faith. You know, sometimes people accuse us of Christians of being you know, Pollyannic and just thinking that, oh, if I just talk Jesus talk, everything will be fine and not dealing with the problems in the world. Oh, it's quite the opposite. It takes a strong man and a strong woman to be a Christian, to live out the gospel the way Jesus tells us, to love our enemies and pray for our persecutors. That takes a lot of strength. It's easy to yell. It's easy to hate. It's easy to call names. It's easy to chastise. It's a lot harder to sit down lovingly and respectfully and say, I disagree with you. I'd like you to reflect upon this or that. And that's what we need to do if we're looking to have a solution and have a common ground and maybe come to something that is beneficial to everyone. 
In fact, many people, when somebody gets angry with them, even if the person who is angry has the correct answer, they might have something that is really the truth to it, they kind of shoot themselves in the foot by being angry because some people, once you get angry with them, they get spiteful and they refuse to listen and refuse to give in just because they're not giving you into your anger and they're not going to give you the benefit of being right after the way you treated them. So angry retorts never bring any resolution. But pace, uh, patient, respectful talk among people, that's what will help us to bring a resolution. Or maybe if it comes down to that, we have to say, well, maybe at this point we have to agree to disagree. But at least we'll be doing so lovingly and respectfully. And if other people on the outside could see us as Christians handling our differences with love and respect for each other, that alone, I think, would bring so many people to look at Christianity again and say, hey, Maybe there is something to this. While all the rest of the world is screaming hate talk, Christians are talking love. You know that old song, they'll know we are Christians by our love? There is so much truth in that. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we are entering now our final week of the Easter journey, and next Sunday we talk about the need to go out and bring Christ to the nations, let us pray this week especially for unity among all Christians, among different denominations, and especially among Catholics in our world, in our archdiocese, here in our own parish of St. Dennis, that we always cooperate with other to present a loving Christ to the world, that they can see through our love and respect for each other the Christ that will love them the same way. That's not always easy to do, and we need the gift of the Holy Spirit that the Lord gave to the apostles at Pentecost. And it is an ancient custom of the church to pray for the days between uh, the Ascension and Pentecost as a novena for the coming of the Holy Spirit to strengthen us in our call to go out and preach Christ to all the nations. And I invite you to pray that prayer every day at home and to join me now publicly with it if you know the prayer, the beautiful prayer to the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. Alleluia. Thank you for listening to this week's homily by Father Carosa. If you enjoyed this homily, please pass the word on to your friends and invite them to listen. For more materials from Father Carosa, please visit www.fathercarosa.com.